Hello and welcome to Stories from India, a podcast where we talk about myths, legends and folk tales from India. I'm your host Narad Muni and I'm a mythological character myself. I have the gift of eternal life and knowledge of the past, the present and the future. By profession, I'm a traveling musician and a storyteller. So the way I'm doing my job is by podcast. I had a listener request today's story. It's a story with Rama and characters, but it runs parallel to the main story. We are featuring Ravan, the ten-headed demon antagonist of the Ramayana, and we'll also feature the planet Saturn. down here on earth and there's also a guest appearance from hanuman our story begins with ravan himself he was in his palace in lanka he had just returned from a long day at the office he'd been doing general evil mastermind activities including but not limited to making his people suffer denying them healthcare playing golf on taxpayer money cheating on his taxes and of course all the looting and killing and robbing on the side his wife mandodri rushed in to greet him just as he was taking off his crowns all ten of them honey you won't believe the news I already don't believe it," said Ravan's fifth head, and the other nine heads nodded vigorously, agreeing. Ravan was not very fond of his wife. She always wanted him to use his powers for good, and he had pretty much given up trying to convert her to the dark side. The feeling was mutual. But Mandodri thought that maybe the news she had would change him for the better. She ignored his attitude and announced, "We are going to have a baby." Her instinct was right. Six out of ten heads reacted favorably. Heads number two and eight maintained a serious expression, but did not disapprove. Heads one and ten. had already drifted off to sleep ravan at this stage of his life had already attained all of the superpowers that made him the terrorist of the ancient world one of those powers included astrology ravan firmly believed that the planetary alignment at the time of his baby's birth would decide its fate Despite the very obvious incompatibility between this theory of his and his own exercise of free will, Ravan remained convinced about the inevitability of his baby's future. All he needed for the baby to be all-powerful was for each of the nine worlds or planets to align in a particular part of the sky. Not too much to ask for, was it? Well, a few months later, the baby was born. To Ravan's disappointment, 
and Mandodri's huge relief, the baby only had a single head. There had been some vigorous debate between Ravan's heads about what the child should be named. But when the heads and Mandodri heard the baby's cry for the first time, they were unanimous. The crying sounded exactly like thunder. So Meghnad was the name he was given. Ravan was thrilled. And he started off with a half-decent attempt at parenting. That is, until he glanced at Meghnad's astrological chart. When he did, he was stunned. This was not what he had been expecting. The planets were not all aligned according to his unspoken wish. Well, most of them were aligned. The only exception was Shani. Shani is the personification of Saturn. And he is the son of the sun. As in, he was the male offspring of the star that the earth goes around. And before you ask, the answer is yes. Shani does love showing off his ring collection. Ravan flew into a rage and flew off the earth. What use were all his superpowers if he couldn't force his will on innocent third parties millions of miles away? And so, he pretty quickly grabbed Shani and brought him back to earth as his captive. Now, you've heard that Saturn is much bigger than the earth. In fact, you can fit 700 earths inside Saturn. That doesn't really matter for our story because Robin captured Saturn and shrunk him down to the size of a regular human being. Because superpowers. Yes, these same superpowers that were granted to him by none other than my dad, Brahma. Brahma was moonlighting as the ancient Indian version of Santa Claus. But with the difference that he had no naughty or niceless, everyone got the same level of earth-shattering superpowers. So anyway, Ravan had Shani captive. In order to send a message to anyone who might dare cross Ravan in the future, he had Shani chained face down right in front of his throne. Ravan used Shani's back as a footrest. There was one thing that was very remarkable about the whole thing. All through Shani's capture and his captivity, not once had Shani been able to look at Ravan. If he had, things might not have been so terrible for Shani. This was because Shani had a superpower himself. If he glanced at anyone, it would bring them misfortune. This might remind you of Alakshmi, whom we heard about in the recent Samudramanthan episodes. Shani was like a level up version of her. He had had this superpower since his birth. 
the moment he was born, the doctor accidentally spilled coffee all over herself and on the floor of the operating room. The nurse slipped on the spilled coffee and broke a leg. Surya, Shani's father, suddenly developed a really bad toothache that pretty much ruined the moment for him. Similarly, Shani's mom had to deal with a lot of challenges. As this continued, Shani's parents patiently endured all the misfortune in their lives, never once thinking of putting a pair of dark glasses on the boy or something. Seriously, it worked with Cyclops in the X-Men. No reason some kind of misfortune rate-limiting optical control wouldn't work here as well. Shani remained in captivity. But the Devs, or the Gods, were trying to do something about it. A bitter debate was already in progress when I reached Indra's home. The big question was the major emergency facing them. Shani in captivity meant he could not bring bad luck to anyone. Half the Devs wanted to do nothing about it. They thought this was totally fine. They said Shani's suffering was regrettable, but they would send flowers and cards to his family. The other half of the Devs wanted to rescue Shani. They thought it was very important to maintain the balance between fortune and misfortune. But truth be told, the Devs who wanted to rescue Shani were a little bit scared of Rowan. So they weren't really sure what to do. That's where I decided to help. At the risk of sounding like a broken record, I'll remind you that I have knowledge of the past, the present, and the future. I knew precisely what was going to happen and what I would have to do to make it happen. I wasn't going to rescue Shani myself. That was too risky. Ravan could have crushed me easily, and my promising career as a podcaster would not have materialized. I decided to trick the guy. It seemed incredible that Ravan just did not know about the Shani curse. Or maybe he chose to ignore the advice of his scientists. Or maybe that knowledge was simply fragmented across his ten brains, and somehow he failed to put it together. Regardless, I made my way to Lanka. Getting into Ravan's court was no problem. I'd actually been here before. People who have been given superpowers are generally hospitable to the family of the person who gave them those powers. I see you got a new footrest. Not the regular kind you get at Walmart, I remarked, though it had pained me to do so. It was hard seeing Shani in that state. Some of Ravan's heads laughed his evil mastermind laugh. The rest seemed bored and clearly not very hospitable. 
As I kept glancing left to right and right to left at all his heads, his heads grew serious. Head number four said, "Can you can you stop doing that? Just pick one head, just one head, okay, and look at it." I chose head number six. That one, from past experience, was the slowest of all. I told him, "I think you haven't gotten a hang of this whole torture and humiliation thing." What said head number six? Shani looks pretty humiliated to me. You have a lot to learn, Ravan," I said, shaking my head. "What's your point?" asked head number six. "Well, simply this: you might crush someone by putting your mighty foot on their back. It's all great and all that, but they aren't seeing you do it. It's definitely more humiliating to be helpless on your back." With a foot on your chest, than it is to be on your stomach and have a foot on your back. When you sneer and gloat, don't you want them to see your face? See chapter four of the Evil Mastermind Handbook. There's a reference on how to do it to turtles. It's the same principle at work here. That's a good point, Narad. I'm going to do that to Shani right away. Watch me. Er, no. You go ahead. I have a lot of catching up to do elsewhere. Take care, I said, and I walked out of Ravan's court as quickly as I could. I did not want Shani to see me. Ravan did just as I had asked, and Shani looked at him just as I expected. The plan was in motion. Many years later, Shani still remained a captive. Until one day, he was rescued. Hanuman did the rescuing. Hanuman was a vanar or monkey god, who was Ram's right-hand man, or rather, right-hand vanar. Hanuman had entered Lanka. He had been sent there on a mission. Never mind the mission itself. We'll get to that when we get to that part of the Ramayan. But for now, suffice it to say that Hanuman was searching for someone. During this search, he found Shani. Hanuman had a mission, but that doesn't mean he could ignore the pleas. He broke through the magic that was binding Shani. and shani was free but before he could jump up into the sky and go back to his orbit hanuman had a teensy weensy request shani had obviously looked at hanuman this meant hanuman was going to have bad luck but shani replied stop right there you are not going to have bad luck in fact quite the opposite i'll give you a gift ask for anything hanuman said i don't want anyone in my fan club to be impacted by your gaze don said shani as a bonus 
I'll never bring you bad luck either, Hanuman. And thank you for the rescue. They flew off in opposite directions. Shani did bring Ravan bad luck. But that's in the core part of the Ramayana that we will cover in a future episode. That's all for now. A couple of notes on the show. Saturday or Shaniwar is Shani's day. But Hanuman is especially worshipped on that day because of his immunity to Shani's gaze. Hanuman is considered the remover of obstacles. Shani presents those obstacles, but that doesn't mean he's a bad guy. He is just doing his job. There are interesting stories around Shani and indeed all of the other Navagraha or Nine Worlds. But we can cover those in a future episode. Interestingly, two of those Nine Worlds are concepts and not actual physical objects. Those are Rahu and Ketu. And they are really two parts of the same Asur, who was decapitated by Mohini in the recent Samudramanthan episode. We have met Brihaspati and Shukracharya, who are two other planets, Jupiter and Venus. Interestingly, Shukracharya or Shukra or Friday, as I've been calling him on the show, was Ravan's teacher as well. You can hear more about Hanuman in episode 25, Up, Up and Away. That's all for now. In the next episode, we'll do another tale of Vikram and Betal. We'll meet three extraordinary girls who could have been excellent insurance adjusters. If you have comments or suggestions, or if there are particular stories you'd like to hear, please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site sfipodcast.com or tweet at sfipodcast. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes. Thanks to all you listeners for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. I'll see you next time.